All right, and we're recording. So today's guest is Phil Young. Phil Young is a Marine Corps veteran. He is an RSO at a range safety officer at Top Gun Memphis. Uh, he also is an alumni of Range Master from if if you've if you've ever heard of the mothership here in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, that's where he trained extensively under the great Tom Givens. And also, he's just a great dude. He's a cool dude to talk to. Phil, thanks a bunch for the honor of coming on today. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. <laughs> yeah. Thank so, you, thank you. Dude, one thing that really kind of made me, like, want to talk to you today was, like, you would come by uh, Top Gun Memphis during some of the times where we would shoot. We had this thing that we stole the idea from Tom Givens. And uh, we call it League Night. And mm -hmm. like, it's, it's really kind of like a more practical application of the stuff that we learned in class. And right. basically showing up with the exact gear that you would carry around every day. And uh, we would conduct exercises based on actual scenarios, like real life stuff. Um, and uh, the skill that you showed, Phil, like the skill that you had was so far and above the average student that it just really intrigued me and everybody else that was there. So dude, if you could just talk about like some of the shooting you do and how you maintain that skill. Um, well, like the, uh, practical, um, league night that, that you mentioned, um, that being one of them, um, shooting, uh, IDPA competitions, um, and, um, lots and lots of dry practice. Um, those are probably the three main things to get me to the level that I'm at now. Um, and it all started for the most part, um, walking in the door at, uh, range masters, um, life changing, life changing. When I, when I, uh, first got here to, um, Tennessee. So, yeah, <clears throat> man, right on. Yeah. So. Let's talk a little bit about, all right, so we mentioned some classes. We mentioned some drive practice. Like, let's go back to, let's go back to Range Master. Like, like how, how soon after the Marine Corps did you go to Range Master? Was it right after you got out or? Um, so I got out in 2012. <clears throat> and, and this is a story within itself. So I got out in 2012 from Beaufort, South Carolina. But prior to me getting out, uh, December 2012, I'm sorry. But prior to me getting out, I started working uh, part-time at Palmetto State Armory there in Buford. Um, and my boss back then, uh, he used to get on me a little bit and was like, you know, just because you're, you're a Marine doesn't mean you can shoot. And <laughs> I was like, whatever, you don't know what you're talking about. So one guy came into the shop and he just came back from uh, Memphis. He's like, I was down there with the uh, range masters, Tom Gibbons, phenomenal instructor. If you're ever in the area, you need to, you need to go. So we were in the process of moving to uh, Memphis and I made it my business to let me find this range master place and, you know, see what it's about. And uh, when we got here, I needed to get my uh, CCW license. And um, on the website, they offered that class. So signed up, walked in. And um, that's where it all began. Uh, I met a, a gentleman there, um, Jeremy Younger. And our last names are quite the same, but um, 
he was the first person I met in um, in Memphis, and he watched me and walked me through that whole journey all the way up till today. And um, you know, that's where it really started, right there, at, uh, Range Masters. What kind of classes do you take there? Did you take the IDC or the levels or what? Um, so my very my very first one was the um, uh, concealed carry class in order to get my permit, but <clears throat> uh, they offered. Um, uh, and, and it's escaping me right now, but let's say basic pistol one or introduction to pistol one, two, three. Um, and, and there's, you know, many different levels, but after each one, they say, Hey, if you sign up now, we'll take off, I don't know, a couple dollars, but it was worth it because in that class that I was in that day, I learned so much about what I wasn't doing right, what I should be doing different. And the uh, verbiage of what the following class would be is like, man, you can't miss it. You, you need to just keep going, keep going. And I did that um, all the way up uh, to and through the, uh, the the instructor's course. And um, I was actually in the very last class um, there, man. And it was, um, I didn't know where I was coming. But I was thankful just to be along for that ride and um, training under, you know, Tom Givens and, you know, all those great instructors there. Oh, man, that sounds like that was truly special. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> wow. I missed uh, I missed Range Master by like three months. Wow. Like I left the Marine Corps and, you know, I went years just not getting any training. Mm -hmm. And um, I... Uh, I finally ended up deciding enough had happened in my life to where, okay, I need to start carrying this thing and I need to know like what I need, I need to know what I'm doing with it. Yeah. And um, by the time I actually got on that train, it was June of 2014 that I finally mm -hmm. decided to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get my permit and I'm going to start a training. And I kept hearing about range master, but yeah. they closed in April. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dad gum, seriously. Yeah. So, so when they closed, like, what did you do in the meantime? Did you continue to train elsewhere or? So uh, it's kind of escaping me as far as when they closed and if they still had the Sunday night leagues after that, maybe they had one or two. Um, can't really remember. But uh, soon after that, um, it was mainly all IDPA competitions out at uh, MSSA. Um, and then they opened, and that, that went along for years, but then they opened, uh, what's the other one? What was well, it, um, well, there was another range. Uh, I think it was like Range USA or something like that, or? Right, right. But, but um, TWRA. Range, range USA was open under that name, then it closed. And then they yeah. reopened to Top Gun. Yeah. But I was back and forth um, from that. Then they, they brought one, uh, Shoot Point Blank. Yeah. Um, which is under another name now, also. But, <laughs> um, you know, going there just for the standing in the lane and shooting, working on fundamentals, um, did that for a while. And then um, through this whole journey, met with a couple of people and, um, know some guys with a nice piece of land 
out in the middle of nowhere where we can uh, go and be safe and, you know, um, you know, get some movement done and, you know, um, some some uh, training amongst each other. And yeah. with that with that, we're able to, you know, push each other and kind of, uh, you know, polish each other a- a- along the way. Oh, man, that's so important too. yeah, like actually having someone to push you. Absolutely. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you found us like just for the viewers, right? Um, we kind of laugh at the term like Range USA because I think Memphis is probably the only city that actually has this problem. Um, there was a Range USA and after shoot point blank opened down the road, mm-hmm. I want to say maybe like 18 months later, Range USA had closed. Mm-hmm. Well, a few months after that, uh, Shoot Point Blank changed their name to Range USA. So <laughs> whenever folks talk about Range USA, it's like, okay, uh, which are one? You, yeah, are you talking <laughs> about that one or this one? Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so yeah. Um, but nowadays, like, uh, so the old Range USA, it reopened under new management. It became Top Gun Memphis. And um, that's where... Uh, Phil came to us and he became a range safety officer. One of the best that we have a uh, pretty outstanding dude. He's one of those dudes that he'll, it's good to know that he's in there and he has your back, you know, and you know that while he's in there, he's one of those guys that's going to, you know, that dude at the end of the bay that's acting stupid. Yeah. He can approach that guy and not make him feel stupid, but correct him on what he needs, what he needs to do. So it was pretty awesome. So, as an RSO, like, tell me a little bit about like the average shift that that you would have as an RSO there. Well, you can uh, you can expect a lot of things. Um, <laughs> you can have a, a normal day where absolutely nothing goes wrong, and then you can have um, something that happens in a split second to where somebody is taking their firearm and turning a little bit too far to the left or a little bit too far to the right. And that little bit of, um, I don't want to call it negligence, but it it can be perceived as negligence, but that can be life-changing for many people. And you got to address it. You you have to address it right then and there. Um, Failure to do so may, again, it may change somebody else's life and it may change your life, you know? So you you, you just got (laughs) to... address it immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So let's see. So RSO, and then also we talk about like uh, a one big contributor to the skill that you were able to maintain and cultivate was dry practice. Um, Absolutely. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about your dry practice regimen? Um, well, <clears throat> here in my room, there's certain targets or target-like items that, um, you know, force me to um, shift from one target to to, to another, uh, near and far, and, um, you know, work on my fundamentals. Um, you know, when the, the, the pandemic hit, that, that was life-changing. Um, and there's other events that happened to contribute to the price hike, but prior to those events and the pandemic, I was shooting um, almost a thousand rounds every quarter for pistol and rifle, you know, um, 
but when when the price hike happened, you know, you, you gotta you have to you have to practice. There's there's no substitution for it. Um, or there is a substitution that's dry practice. And so, you know, dry practice and it was. And I've heard um, you know, through my journey, you know, a lot of people, um, Spencer Keeper, um, I heard he, he he would do a, and I'm not a coffee guy, but he calls it a something pour. Like he heats up coffee or the pot pours over the coffee and then does something else with it. But he said that this time frame is like exactly five minutes or 10 minutes, whatever it is. And in that time frame, he's doing nothing but dry practice, nothing but dry practice. And I think this is before he goes to work. So he has a minimum of five minutes of dry practicing before he goes to work. And that's, you know, repetition, repetition before he walks out the door. And that's that's important. Um, you, you, you have to do it. You have to do it. And it needs to be it needs to become, you know, muscle memory. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And you have any resources that you use for, you know, for learning how to dry practice more efficiently, like any books or any mentors that you use for dry practice? I don't have any books or mentors, but uh, I do. I do print out a lot of random targets, mm. um, small circles, large circles, odd shape, um, you know, uh, um, odd shape targets and putting them in different locations, you know, throughout my, my man cave and it forces you to change your, your uh, focus on the target. And is a target a square is a target, a triangle. Um, but that's one thing. And, but then another thing, <clears throat> uh, a couple of friends of mine, what we've done in the past was we get on, um, and for lack of better terms, like a zoom call, you got all everybody on screen and everybody's lined up facing our dry practice target. And then one person will say, all right, we're doing, um, you know, this many repetitions and this is what we're focusing on. And it can be just getting your hand on the gun. And we do that 10, 12, you know, reps before we're even moving towards uh, drawing the gun. And then, you know, if somebody says I didn't get my grip right or, you know, um, after I get the gun out of the holster, uh, I'm losing my grip. And then we'll, we'll all stop. And we, we're trying to figure this out. Why aren't you getting a master grip on, on your gun? And if we have to, we'll go back to our, um, you know, our books and we're trying to figure it out. What are you doing wrong? Turn sideways. Let us all see you do it. And, you know, we'll figure it out together. And um, I've never seen that done anywhere. But the fact that the group of guys that, um, I hang with, you know, we, we go out of our way to, to do that. And and this was during the, the pandemic also, you know, everybody's, you know, has to pay this high price for ammo. Let's just do a dry practice uh, session. Let's watch everybody. And um, I think that really helps. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's such a great idea. I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Zoom dry fire. And uh, I think that, you know, there's some, there's some dudes that I know right now that I could probably like dry practice with and, you know, get some good, uh, get some good feedback, man. That's so awesome. Yeah, like, did you come up with that? You and your people, like you and your friends. I want to say, and I don't want to misquote, but uh, Jeremy Younger definitely had a, had his hand in that. 
Um, I, I didn't come up with it, but I was a participant. Um, <clears throat> and it, it was very interesting. And, you know, we all took away something from it. Um, and even if you can't get on, like, hey, we're going to do this at noon. If you can't get on, that's fine. If you come late, that's fine, too. Just, you know, come. And you, you still get something from it. Man, that's awesome. So one thing that, you know, that I really appreciate Phil for is you have like, you've run into enough trouble as far as your own obstacles and development and you've overcome those. And I think that you have a lot of feedback for like our viewers and our listeners. Uh, so for some folks that are struggling and getting to class, like I'm talking like, suppose like for instance, uh, a lot of the listeners that we have here, uh, they may not have ever shot a match or gone to a class. Mm -hmm. So if, if there is a range near them and they're offering classes and they have an instructor, what's the best way to, to vet that instructor for, you know, like, how do I know that I'm going to get my money's worth out of that class? And how do I know that's going to be a good class for me at my current skill level? Um, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a good question. And I would say for like the, 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 the new person to the, um, to this community or to shooting, and it's going to take a little bit of work, but <clears throat> let's say you can go into the, uh, range and, um, and say, Hey, I want to sign up for this class. And they're going to say, or they should say, this is going to be your instructor. Um, you want to at least get their name and look them up. Cause usually they'll have like a bio of that person and it'll say they've for the Memphis area, you can, you can kind of, well, prior to the mothership, but if they trained under Tom Gibbons at range masters, then you, you know that you have a, a good instructor um, in front of you. But um, <clears throat> if you look up what classes they had, uh, you can get online to those, uh, those instructors who they had and see, you know, um, what kind of information they have about their training and where they've been. And if they just have um, NRA uh, instructor and that's it, they they may be good enough. And this is not downing anyone who's just an NRA instructor, but they may be good enough to teach you the basics on how to load, um, maintain the firearm, point it in a safe direction and some of the fundamentals on how to properly uh, squeeze the trigger and follow up with a shot. Again, nothing bad on them, but if <clears throat> if the class that you're taking is anything more advanced than that, then you want that instructor to have more uh, some more uh, training. And um, like I said, it'll take a little bit of work, but look them up. Um, these ranges have that information available to you and they uh, shouldn't hesitate to give it to you. So you get that information, you look it up and, um, you know, do a little bit of research. And it, it, like I said, it takes time. But in the end, it's worth it because you, you are um, you're going into a lifestyle that preserves your life and others. If that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Absolutely, it does. Because I don't know, I just um, me personally, when I put on this gun, it's not just for me, you know. Absolutely. I'm protecting the family that I'm with. And you know what? It was the interview that we had. It was the conversation I had with, uh, with Sam Middlebrook. He was like, hey, that gun that you carry, maybe 
maybe it's not just to protect you. Maybe it's to protect your wife's husband, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe it's mm-hmm. to protect like the father of your kids. And that, right. that hit me, man. <laughs> yeah. That hit me. Um, yeah. So, so let's say the, let's say I do sign up for a class mm-hmm. and they say, okay, like this class is in, let's call it three weeks. What should I be doing in that three weeks in order for me to help me prepare for like to set me up for success in that class? Um, <clears throat> one thing they have a gear list, um, d- depending on what the class is, but let's say you d- don't have anything. Um, you can start looking at the gear list, seeing what you may need that you don't have. And they provide you for most of the things, but there may be something that they don't provide. You can go ahead and see uh, about getting that purchased. And um, <clears throat> if it requires a belt, if it requires a holster, you can you know, slowly start uh, purchasing those things. And, um, and if this is somebody who's never shot a, a gun before, then um, it, it may look a little different. Um, you don't want to go out and start buying a, a gun or um, a holster and you don't have that much knowledge um, on that platform. Um, some people may not like this, but YouTube has many different um, I'm not gonna, classes or guidance on what you can do up, up to. Um, and even if it's safe storage of the firearm in a box, um, firearm out the box, safely put in the uh, uh, a lock on the firearm if if, if that's what you're in, you need to do, um, or even ask um, an instructor that's there at the at the at the range. You know, once you signed up, there's you know people walking around. Um, you ask them, hey, is there an instructor that teaches the class? I'm trying to get some information before um, my class date. Um, if there's somebody that just came out the range who may look a little proficient, you can, you know, Hey, you mind if I ask you a couple questions? And usually uh, people are pretty friendly on, you know, passing that knowledge on. Um, so, so yeah, I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like dudes out there burning it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll hit them up. Hey man, like, like, where'd you learn that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see. One thing that really helped me out, I think I went kind of the same route you did um, as far as like uh, using matches as a way of practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Suppose there's a match in my area and I'm thinking about going, but I'm not really exactly sure what I need to to bring or how to prepare. Like, What kind of guidance can you provide for the type of shooter that, you know, is considering going to their first match, but hasn't ever gone to one. Oh, well, uh, <clears throat> for this area, um, for me is to just go, <laughs> even if you don't, even if you don't shoot, <clears throat> you can get a good visual of what's going on. And again, th- these people that are at these matches for the most part, they're not better than you. They'll say, you know, hey, you, we all we all was here before, and this is what you need to do. 
you know, stand, you can stand here and watch, you know, as long as you're safe, you have your proper eye protection, ear protection, and, you know, this is how it goes. And those people, I mean, they'll, they'll definitely walk you through. This, these are the rules. It's what you can't do. This is what you can do. Um, and, you know, just going, you know, and you, like I said, you don't have to shoot um, that first match, you know, let it be baby steps because what you're getting into again is, it, it's it it can be life changing <laughs> um, for the good, and um, it could be life changing uh, for the bad. But you want to take it nice and slow, baby steps, all the way up up until to that first match. <laughs> I think I did that my first match. Yeah, I found out about the uh, the matches at MSSA, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to expect. So, you know, I just kind of showed up and I watched, and. Um, the coolest thing about it was watching was free. Right. <laughs> I didn't have to pay in order to watch. So, you know, yeah. and I didn't have to stay the whole time either. I had to be somewhere at noon and mm-hmm. they were, they were going to be shooting well past noon. So, you know, at about 1130, I was like, Hey, I got to go, but this was awesome. Yeah. Um, And that, let's see. So as far as like IDPA or maybe even USPSA, like, do I have to buy any kind of gear in order for me to, like, is there a certain gun or a holster or any kind of rig that I need to buy in order for me to shoot those matches or what? So my can knowledge, just, I'm sorry. Can I just show up with what I have or do I need to buy certain stuff? So my knowledge for USPSA is not the best. So I want to just stick to IDPA. Um, okay. But gear, you'll definitely need a belt, a pistol belt. Um, well, that can be uh, debatable, but you want a, you want a nice firm belt. You need a um, I'm gonna say a Kydex style holster. You don't want one of those cloth holsters that'll fold in on itself once the firearm comes out. Um, you need a magazine carrier and uh, a couple magazines, um, and that's like your basic. I'm sorry, ear and eye protection as well. And that's your that's your basic. Um, if they are requiring you to draw from concealment, and you're not that comfortable doing it, usually they will let you continue to shoot without uh, that concealment in order to maintain a safe range. Um, and I think that's uh, pretty good because you're not pushing that person away from this craft. And you're also maintaining uh, a safe, uh, a safe environment for everyone. <clears throat> and by doing that, eventually they'll may they may build up that confidence and skill level to uh, draw from uh, concealment. And that concealment may even be just a you know a vest around around them. It doesn't have to be you know their 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 work shirt or um, what they arrived in. Um, so you got those. You also want a good pair of shoes um no open toe sandals or flip-flops out there um that's a safety thing as well um yeah and weather appropriate uh garments the day a lot of people like myself included like my first match i was scared to death because i didn't want to feel embarrassed you know right i didn't want people to make fun of me or laugh at me uh (laughs) did they treat you like that like the day make you feel like you weren't welcome or absolutely not absolutely not um 
and I shot my first IDPA match in Buford, South Carolina, 2012. And I did it with a um, Springfield Armory, 1911, Chamber 45. At the time, the 45 was the, the thing. <clears throat> oh, yeah. But, the Lord's caliber. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't do good at all. Um, and, but no one, no one, you know, uh, picked on me about it because they all knew that it was, that was my very first one. This is, hey, man, make sure you maintain control of the firearm, keep it in a safe direction. And these are the rules. And then from, from that, the very next one was a stepping stone and straighten out that learning curve a little bit. And on to the next one, and then you know moved here, and then it was on to the next one, and that that learning curve was slowly getting, you know, pushed to becoming straight. But no one ever, um, you know, laughed at me for missing a target that was, you know, five five yards away. Um, but what what most of them do, um, they would say, "Hey, I seen you did this. Let me ask you why." And then I tell them why I thought that was the right thing to do. And they say, well, maybe you should try this or think about it this way. And just that the way that they interact with you, it keeps that person from being pushed away. And that's a, that's, that's a really good thing, especially to keep, keep, uh, you know, keep it a, a nice environment to, to be interacting in. You don't want to, you don't want to bash somebody who's trying you know, because the, the alternative from not going to the um, IDPA to get better is what? Nothing <laughs> or play video game, play video games. But that's not helping you. That's not helping. you. <laughs> yeah, so. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, that's just I feel like we need to do more of in the shooting community. Uh, we need to make it a lot more welcoming to folks that may not have grown up with guns or may not have you know, may not have served in the military or law enforcement. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bring them in in with welcoming arms. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Let's see. So, so we talked about classes. We talked about matches. We talked about like dry practice. Um, Let's see here. So as far as like my first we talked about our first time going to a class. We talked about our first time going to a match. Suppose there's a family member that I let me see the best way for me to for me to phrase this question. Yeah, so suppose I have a family member that, you know, they're asking me or they're asking you, for instance, hey, you know, I want to go to the range. I just, you know, I don't know what to expect. I'm a little nervous, a little anxious. Like, you know, what, what all, what all, and you guys set a date, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. You set a date, like, let's say this Saturday, we're going to meet up at about noon, grab some lunch, and then we'll hit the range. Um, What kind of guidance would you, would you have for that family member or that friend or whatever? And then also what kind of stuff would you go through with them over at the range? Like what kind of drills, what kind of shooting would you guys be doing? Uh, real good question. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm going to take one of my family members for instance. And this, she, she lives in Texas, 
so she was like, hey, I want to get my concealed carry license, but I never shot a gun before. So I said, okay. And I emailed her or text her the weapon safety rules. I was like, next time I see you, you need to be able to tell me these without reading them. And I've had other people try to uh, or would like to go to the range with me that has never shot before. And I say, here's your homework. Read these and know them. Um, and, and you don't need to know them verbatim, but at least know, at least let me know that you have an understanding of them. But anyway, <clears throat> I sent them to her. She, you know, read them, learned them. Then uh, next time I seen her um, at the house, we did some uh, dry practice. Um, firearm, well, of course, it's dry practice, but firearms unloaded and, you know, get familiar with handling the gun. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to hand this to you. At no point in time, I want you to put your finger on the trigger. And I gave it to her and then, you know, I'll have her um, rack the slide and I'm watching her finger. Is it moving on, the, you know, towards the trigger, trigger guard? Where's that finger going? Um, you know, getting that basic understanding of the firearm and the components and how they, you know, work. And then once I can see that you have some level of proficiency um, on doing that, then we can move to the next step. And again, this is one scenario with a, a family member of mine. But if I took somebody to the range, then it'll be the same thing. Um, I want to see you have some proficiency and, and not a high level of proficiency, but do that. I'm going to tell you to do this. I want you to do that. And if at any time I tell you, whoa, stop, I want to see that person stop. And I also want to see their maturity level. If I tell you to stop and it comes off as if me being, um, you know, really forward with what I'm saying, even if I yell at you, I don't want your attitude to overcome the safety aspect of it. And if you can maintain that, like, hey, I just yelled at you and told you to stop. If you can maintain um, still wanting to go forward, then you have a, a, a good student. Um, if they can respect you, respect the firearm, you, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. And, and that's that's the basic right there, you know, your safety rules and being able to be a good listener um, and, a, and a good student. Yeah. Man, that's outstanding. Dude, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes here because I'm taking notes because I'm this is some of the stuff that I want to take my family members through, you know, like the next time someone you know, the next time someone comes up to me and says, hey, you know, I've never shot a gun before. Like, these are really good tips. Yeah. Um, so let's see. We'll, we'll, we'll cover one more topic before we get out of here. Um, there's, there's a question of how good do I need to be in order for me to survive a defensive encounter? Like, is there a certain, I don't know, standard or drill or... Like, how do I know that I'm good enough with this handgun for me to protect myself and my family? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. <clears throat> um, unfortunately, I don't think there is a definite answer to that because you won't find out how good you are to do that in real life until it's that time, if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit more about that or? Yeah. Like, so, you know, you go to the range, um, a one-way range, 
and you're you're shooting on paper targets. You're just punching holes in, in, in this target. And what is considered um, a good group? And most people don't know until you've done this for you know a significant amount of time. Um, <clears throat> I would say having a fist size group in a vital part of the body, um, perfectly center mass on, on, your, on your chest. Um, you know, your chest is the widest part of your body. Um, and this is me trying to explain it to somebody who's n some, somewhat new to it. But having a fist size group, center mass is, is good enough. Um, but in a defensive encounter, that target is not going to be five or seven yards away or three to five, seven yards away. And it may not be uh, square to you. They may be, you know, um, bladed a little bit, which changes the whole dynamic of um, the situation. And one thing that I really liked about the um, practical league that you, you ran is that you have other targets around you. Um, it could be uh, innocent uh, bystanders. And all that is taken into consideration because you're accountable for every single round that comes out of that firearm. Um, and it's kind of scary because, again, you won't know how, you won't know if you're good enough until um, it's that time. And that may not be the, the right answer, but up until then, I think we all need to be training um, for for that encounter. Um, and it was a saying, and I want to say I heard this from Tom Gibbons um, to his instructors, you know, stop telling your students if this encounter happens, because they'll have it in their mind that there's a possibility that it might not happen. Uh, tell them when this happens, when this encounter happens. Um, and just knowing that, that that is the life that we live in, it keeps me on my toes and it keeps me uh, training. Um, excuse me. It, it, it keeps me pushing forward on having that ability to be able to survive that defensive encounter. And I know I kind of bounced around that, that answer a little bit, but um, I think it's all needed. Um, for that, that this topic yeah like that was an incredibly thoughtful answer i think yeah. it's probably one of the more one of the more honest answers that i've i've really heard about that topic you know because yeah. you're not really going to know until you get there right so and and i want to dive a little bit more into it um yeah. <clears throat> uh the friend of mine um fam someone asked him why did you why why did you pay so much for that gun for that pistol and his answer was because the value of my life is worth more than this pistol you know my life is worth way more than this pistol so th with this pistol that i purchased it's going to help me you know preserve my life and i was like man that that makes sense that makes a whole lot of sense and so going into or taking training courses 
as long as you have a, a, a vetted good instructor that's going to give you good knowledge, my life is worth the price of that course. You know, my, my life is worth the price of going to the practical league night uh, one day out of the week or a month, sacrificing a little bit of time away from my family in order pres to preserve, you know, their lives and my own or somebody else that I love or somebody to my left and right. And, you know, I, I think that that's uh, that says a lot about a person, you know, people that are going out here, you know, doing training and investing in these things. Um, because that firearm that we carry is just like an insurance card. You hope you never, never need it. But when you do need it, you, you want it and you're going to you need to have um, some sort of um, level of proficiency in order to survive this defensive encounter. And paying for classes is is a must. <laughs> you know, investing in a, you know, a decent firearm is, is a must. And <clears throat> along with that, you have uh, your um, medical needs as well. And that requires training as well. And it's all worth it. It's all worth it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Man, tell you what, Phil, you've given us a lot to think about. Um, yeah, this is this is really awesome. Man, this is good stuff. Phil, where can, if folks want to hang out with you or if they want to shoot with you or if they have questions for you, uh, where can they reach you? Um, I'm on the Facebook uh, here and there um, by my name, uh, Philip Young. Suffix is the third. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram. Um, I believe it's Young Thou, Y O U N G T H O U. And uh, also Young Tactics. Um, I've created that uh, Young Tactics, trying to deliver some content on my life and how I everyday carry. Um, some of the shooting that I do. And I think that'll be the best way for someone to reach me. Um, and, uh, and again, I know I'm bouncing around, but with the Young Tactics page, sometimes I'll show my EDC and what I wear on a daily basis. And it, and it will be like a button-up shirt, some slacks, and, you know, dress shoes. And the... the um, the premise behind it is don't say you can't conceal carry because of what you wear. You can make it work, um, but it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And I'm sure some people will be amazed of how much we put on on a daily basis, you know, to uh, maneuver through life. So, uh, yeah, those are my socials. Man, good stuff. So, Phil, I just want to say thanks a bunch for coming on. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was this was really good. And folks, uh, if you're listening or if you're watching, uh, I want to I want to let you know that look, you, there's a lot of places where you could have spent your time, and I'm glad you're spending it here with us. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome to Memphis. <laughs>